Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Right, let's let's get ready for the word. Can you hear me clearly? All right. Where my where are my sound guys? Can I get a bit more volume? Praise God. Amen. Okay. All right. Let's let's pray. Are we all ready? Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word in Jesus' mighty name. Okay, so this morning we will start our series. Um, we've called it Sustaining Your First Love. So we, we're going through the manual. And if you don't have a manual, you can check out the back. It would help you to get one. for. Now, first of all, I'd like you to follow the introduction because it's very important to the study. Okay? So I know you have your manual. Uh, don't be tempted to go ahead of me. <laughs> Amen. But just follow me. Now, we are actually looking at uh, the later to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Okay? The later to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Now, it's important for us to understand the background. So, this service, we will be dealing with the background. So, the background is important to understanding the later. And that's very important because sometimes as we study the scriptures... We really most times do not pay attention to the culture where the scriptures was written. That affects our interpretation. Now listen carefully. You've got to follow me carefully. The Bible was written for you. But it was not written to you. Now the Bible says the things that were written were written for our examples. But when Paul was writing, he was writing to the Romans. You are not a Roman. You are a Bonian. <laughs> okay, so he was writing to the Romans. So we can learn God's word, but we know that it was written to the Romans. Now, it was written to the Romans in a literal city called Rome. So there were things that Paul wrote that... You have to have an idea of how Rome was for you to understand some of the things that Paul was talking about. For instance, if I wrote a letter to you and say, when you get to the jetty on your way to Portacot. Now, most people who follow us outside of Bonnie Island, when I talk about booking, you know, you didn't get booking, you, some, some of them don't really understand what I mean. But you understand. Or you don't understand? You do understand. Now, if I were to write that in a letter, and I said, when you get to Bonnie Island, try to get a booking. Now, somebody who doesn't live in an island, 
can read that and decide to say, well, he was referring to a lot of books. Would he be correct? Well, you can say, well, that's my personal revelation. But would that personal revelation be correct? Because the Bible cannot mean to you today what it did not mean to those it was written to. That is how we stay with the sanity of interpretation. So the first thing you've got to understand is, we have to understand, first of all, before we even talk about sustaining your first love, we have to understand why was this written in the first place. Okay? So we'll go through a bit of history lessons. So, who wrote the book? Who wrote the book of Revelation? John, the beloved. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. That gives us the answer. So let's go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation. Observe that. That's important. In the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Do you remember here a couple of Sundays ago I told you that scripture and they overcame him by the word of the Lamb and by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony referred to the persecutions they were going through? Do you remember that? Can you see what John said right here? Read it again. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the what? Tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus Christ was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and what? The testimony of Jesus. So how did he go to the island of Patmos? Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Which means that he was banished to the island of, of, of Patmos because of persecution. Alright. Where was he written? The book of Revelation was written in the, in the island of Patmos. Now, the island of Patmos was 60 miles off the coast of Turkey. Now, modern day Turkey. Okay? So, you had, so if you had, uh, you had Greece. Greece was at the northwest of Patmos. You had Turkey at the east of Patmos. And then you have Israel at the southeast of Patmos. So, it was just 60 miles, almost like an island like we are now, off from Portacot. So, it was just 60 miles off the modern day Turkey. So, he was literally banished to an island where he could have no access. Alright? Now, you must understand that the areas of modern day Turkey now, when you talk about the Turkey of today, Istanbul and those areas, those areas made up um, um, Ephesus, the biblical um, um, Ephesus then. So, the modern day Turkey made up those regions. Now, what was the content of the letter? God's instruction to the churches. Why was he written? To pass a message across to the seven churches. So we go over it. Who wrote it? Apostle John. Where was he written? The island of Patmos. What was written in it? A content to the message of the, uh, to the seven churches. Why was he written? To pass God's message to the churches. When was he written? Now, there's a bit of difference here, but most theologians agree that it was written before AD 70. Now, it's important, if you want to understand the Bible, that you understand, follow me now, that A.D. 70 is a remarkable date in, in Bible history. A.D. 70 was when uh, Antiochus Epiphanes um, sacrificed pig in the temple of Jerusalem, and that's when the destruction of Jerusalem came. That's what actually Daniel refers to as the abomination of dissolution. Now, the reason being that, um, the reason being that the, the temple 
was literally raised to the ground. You've got to follow this now. The temple was literally raised to the ground. Now, understand this. When Jesus was still on the earth, physically, Judaism was still operating side by side. So Jesus sometimes went to the temple and the synagogue. Okay? Say amen. Amen. Okay. So Jesus went to the temple and the synagogue. So that means that the new covenant did not take full effect while Jesus was still here. So even when Jesus had resurrected, there was still the temple and the synagogue. So the new covenant actually cannot take full effect until the old covenant was um, 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 wiped out completely. Now that did not happen until AD 70 when the Romans invaded Jerusalem because... As of AD 70, they still had the genealogy of who the Levitical priesthood were. So they could still say, well, you're from the priestly family, go and sacrifice, you can be a priest. But when they invaded Jerusalem in AD 70, which the Bible refers to as the end of the age, the King James translates it as the end of the world. Most times when you read the end of the world in the King James Bible, it's not the end of this geographical world, it's the end of the age, because the world... Word. The word world used there is the Greek word aeon, A-O-I-N, which speaks of age. So most times the scripture refers to the end of the age. What age was he referring to? He was referring to the end of the Jewish age. Because at that time when the Romans invaded uh, Jerusalem in AD 70, they destroyed the temple and destroyed the genealogy of everything they had. So nobody could lay claim to the fact that they were priests after the order of, Levitic, uh, of, of, the, of the Levites. So that destruction of the temple was the final conclusion of the old covenant. You follow this? Just follow. <laughs> Alright, so... So, um, so Paul wrote this, um, sorry, so John got this later. Now, understand something. The book of Revelation, like I said, today is just history lessons, okay? The book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is not the revelation of the Antichrist. Understand that. Listen, that's why many preachers cannot interpret the book of Revelation correctly. Because they go read the book of Revelation with the mind of the Antichrist. Never. It's not so. It's not about the devil, it's not about beast, it's not about Antichrist, it's not, it's not about anything. It's the revelation of Jesus. It's there. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. In fact, that's the first statement, but that's what we all miss. So let's read Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of what? So the book is about Jesus. It's not about the Antichrist. It's about Jesus. That's what the, in fact, that's the first line. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bond servant, and the things which must soon take place. Observe the word soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant John. So most, most theologians figure that the book of Revelation was written before AD 70 because Paul, um, John, why do I keep saying Paul? John uh, was writing to the seven churches. Now, those seven churches were along the same route. Now, in those days, they didn't have email, they didn't have fax. So, somebody had to travel with those letters. So, those seven churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Tyrita, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. 
And that's how they were arranged along the travel line. So, after Ephesus, you got to Smyrna. After Smyrna, you got to Pergamos. After Pergamos, you got to Tyrita. After Tyrita, you got to Sardis. After Sardis, is Philadelphia. And after Philadelphia, you got to Laodicea. So, they were arranged along those lines. So, these letters were actually written to those seven churches along those geographical lines. Alright? Now, you cannot understand... The, you cannot understand what God was trying to tell them in Revelation chapter 2, the church in Ephesus, except you understand what happened in Acts chapter 19. So we'll go to Acts chapter 19. We'll read the first 40 verses. That will tell us the state of the church in Ephesus before we get on to Revelation. Okay? So we know that Paul's second missionary journey, he went to Ephesus after he left Corinth. That was in Acts chapter, um, Acts chapter 18 verse 19. And then, that was in AD 52. So let's go to Acts chapter 19. Let's read some Bible. Acts 19. Praise God. Alright, so we're going to read Acts 19. So let's, let's take a read. Now, uh, let me say this here. So you have this, right? I don't want to go through this because you already have this introduction where I wrote about AD 52, AD 54, AD 56, AD 57, all of those years that happened in AD 62. Now, understand something. That is why also many people do not understand when Paul wrote about spiritual warfare in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Because when Paul wrote about that warfare, it was because of what was happening in, the, in, in, in Ephesus. And Acts 19 gives us that picture. So we want to see the picture before we get a revelation. So let's go to Acts 19 verse 1. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. So understand that. Pay attention to details. Found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into them were you baptized. And he said, Into John's baptism. Okay? Now, those of you who were in the Meet and greet with pastor yesterday. Uh, did you observe what I told you about baptism and being baptized into Moses? Right? Can you see it right here that they said they were baptized into John? Okay. Into John's baptism. Paul said John baptized with baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him that is in Jesus. So the emphasis was the message that John preached. That was the baptism. The emphasis was the message. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesying. They were all in about, they were in all about 12 men. So we can see the number. Observe, pay attention. There's nothing written in the Bible that was just there to complete an essay. You know, it wasn't like you said, the Bible has to be 6,000 words. So, you know, when they tell you write an essay of 6,000 words, you've written 5,500 words. And you still need 500 words. You now add. So re, re, observe the number. There were 12. Okay. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So he was teaching for three months. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples. So the disciples now would refer to from those 12 men and some of the people who believed in him. Right? So he took them away and uh, 
reasoning daily in the school of Tyranno. So what did Paul do? Paul was teaching and these guys were not receiving the truth. So he took a few disciples and took them to the school of Tyrannos. Now, the school of Tyrannos was like a Judaistic school where they used to have lectures. So most probably, um, from, from church history and from theology, it's, it's figured out that Paul probably rented the school while they were on break. So, uh, this is history. So, probably the students came to the school in the morning and about 11 when the sun was setting, they went off on break and came back later in the evening. So, a lot of theologians do agree that Paul was having those lectures between the hours of maybe 11 to about 4.30 or 5 every day. Every day. Now, that's how he was building discipleship. This took place for two years. So, imagine teaching the word of God daily for two years. So that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that handkerchief aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists, now follow this, who went from place to place, attempted to name over those who are the evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, was doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus. I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them. So they fled out of that house naked and wounded. (laughs) 17. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus, and fell upon them all, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Verse 18. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. Observe this. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together, and began burning them in the sight of everyone, and they counted up the price of them, and found 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and what? Prevailing. Now, after these things were finished, keep reading, Paul proposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. After he has passed through Macedonia and Asia, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. You know what the way is now, talking about Christianity. Now, this is the issue. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. Now, I, 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 talk, um, I spoke to you about Artemis here. Artemis was the goddess of the Greek. Let's pause a bit. Was the goddess of the Greek that was worshipped. She was uh, a short mummy goddess built, you know, with large breasts, which signified fertility. So they, they worshipped Artemis. Um, because he was the god of, uh, she was the god of fertility. And um, maybe we'll get to the end of the study, but okay, when, when we get there, so I don't get ahead of my time. But if you observe the promise that God gave to them that when they overcome, he was going to give them the tree of life in the paradise, it also had something to do with this because there was uh, a concept that uh, Artemis fell from heaven and you know she, she's got that whole paradise there and everything they're worshipping we'll get there explain more but this was now the beginning of the issue now Paul was confronting a, 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 an economic principality in that region now go on these 
verse 25. These he gathered together with workmen of similar trades and said, Men, you know that our prosperity depends on this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that the gods made with hands are no gods at all. Not only is there danger that this trade of ours fall into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless. And she, whom all of Asia and the world worshipped, will even be dethroned from her magnificence. When they heard this, they were filled with great rage. They began crying and saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city was filled with confusion. They rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. And when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, the disciples would not let him. And also some of the Asiacs, who were friends of his, sent to him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater. You know, you can have that zeal. Mm -hmm. So then also some were shouting one thing and some for another, for the assembly was in confusion. And the majority did not know for what reason they had come. So some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander, since the Jews had put him forward and a motion with his hand. Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, a single outcry arose from them all as they shouted for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Imagine that, for two hours. After quieting the crowd, the town clerk said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there after all who does not know the city of the Ephesians is the guardian temple of the great Artemis and of the image which fell down from heaven. Did you see that there? Hope it's not getting boring. Okay. Now, what happened is they believed that this person fell down from heaven, the Artemis fell down from heaven, and, she, and where she fell was paradise. And they began to worship. So that's why Jesus promised that if you overcome, I'll give you of the tree of life in the midst of paradise. So when he said that, he wasn't talking about when you get to paradise. Jesus was just telling them that I have more to give to you than Artemis promised you. So if you don't understand that, you will interpret Revelation a bit wrongly, not knowing that that letter was written to assure them that you see that one you said fell down from heaven, there is one greater than her, and she, he is the one who has eternal life. So, Revelation chapter 2 must be understood with Acts chapter 19. Are you following that now? Okay. So since these were undeniable facts, you ought to keep calm and do nothing rash. For you brought these men here who neither robbers of the temple nor blasphemers of our goddess. So then if Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have a complaint against any man, the courts are in session and proconsuls are available. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you want anything beyond this, it shall be settled in the lawful assembly. For indeed we are in danger of being accused of a riot in connection with today's events. Since there is no real cause for it and in this connection we will be unable to account for this disorderly gathering. After this, he dismissed the assembly. Now what's happening? They began to cry. And then uh, this man came out and said, you know what? If you guys have a case against these guys, take it to the law court. Now, one of the things I want you to recognize here was this church, pay attention to this, was birthed in the midst of this tribulation. Now, you can understand their tribulation right now. What was their tribulation? They were going against the goddess of the whole nation. They received the truth. And now they were going against that. Now, now there, there is the tendency of pulling back. And so, John had to write them. 
In fact, when Paul talked to them about spiritual warfare, this is what he was talking about. Because this was the principality and the stronghold that they needed to war against. Because this was big. This was big in the city of Ephesus. Now, let's read on. Go to Revelation now, chapter 2. So that's the historical concept, con, uh, uh, concept of the church. Go to Revelation chapter 2. So I'll read from the New American Standard and then we can pick up. First of all, go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20. Thank you, Lord. Are you learning anything this morning? Okay, say amen if you are. All right. So let's read Revelation chapter 1. Let's read from verse 19. We'll read down. You know, the Bible was divided into chapter and verses so we can find it, right? If not, it's a straight letter. It was written straight. So it was put in chapter and verses because if it was a straight letter and I was reading from Revelation, some people will start searching for Genesis. They will not be able to catch up until first service is over. So this was broken down so we can follow it. Okay. So Revelation chapter 1, let's start reading from verse 19. Therefore write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. Three things. What you are seen, what is, and what will take place. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you see in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. There's what you call Bible symbolism. And sometimes we need to really understand. People stretch it to the extreme. But at other times, people don't pay attention to it. So let's say, for instance, the scripture says that I'm in the midst of the seven lampstands. And I, I'm having in my hands, what? Seven stars. Now, so if you have seven stars and you're in the midst of the seven lampstands, if there was no proper interpretation, what are you going to think? What would you think? That Jesus has seven stars in his hands. Are you here? That Jesus has seven stars in his hands, right? It's the same way people think when they say, you know, he's got uh, a sword of fire in his mouth. Flame of fire. He's talking about the word of God. It's the same thing people think when they talk about the mark of the beast and, you know, 666 on your forehead and in your hand. And people think, well, you know, they're going to write 666 on your head. You know, but Paul says, I bear in my body the mark of Christ. So what's the mark of Christ? If you understand the mark of Christ, you understand the mark of the beast. The mark of Christ was the nature of Christ that Paul had that led to his persecution. So what's the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast is the human nature that is anti-Christ, that which fights Christ. Why is it on the forehead? It's your reasoning pattern. And why is it in your hand? It's your work and your actions. So the mark of the beast is that which comes upon you that makes you to oppose Christ in your thoughts and in your actions. That's what the mark of the beast is. It's simple. It's, that's, what, that's what was in the Bible. Why is it six? Six is the number of man. Why is it six, six, six? Three is the number of total perfection. It's the fullness of the human nature. Seven is the number of perfection. Twelve is the number of government. That's why you have twelve disciples. That's why the city has twelve gates. That's why it has twelve foundations. So if you read the book of Revelation and you're trying to draw a beast, you're trying to draw stars, you're trying to, it will be scary. These things, listen, were written in the midst of persecution so that the believers will understand the letter. 
It's like you're trying to write a letter to a Christian in China. You can't just write, this is your house address. I'm saying, they will kill you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's it. Let me give you an Old Testament example. When uh, Joseph had a dream, and he said, the 11 stars and the moon will bow down to you. Was he talking about stars and the moon bowing down to Joseph? Who was he talking about? Who was the star? The father? The sun, sorry, sun and the moon. And then the stars were what? Are the brothers. Now listen to me. If at the end of the day we didn't read the story of Joseph, we would not have gotten that interpretation. So, you see, as Bible students, we have to be diligent. Be, be patient. Don't be in a hurry. Read the Bible. Read it again and again. For instance, just reading Acts chapter 19 gives us a background to Revelation chapter 2. Because it's the Bible that must interpret the Bible. We cannot force our interpretation on it. Praise the name of the Lord. Alright. So, so it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. Now, the word angel there is the word angelos in the Greek. And it means messenger. So when he says to the angel of the church in Ephesus, he was not saying, because I've heard people teach this, and we need to be careful of that. I've heard people teach this, that there is an angel behind the ministry. No, it's not. <laughs> Ephesians tells us that this fivefold ministry is a gift from God. It's God that is behind his church. It's God that is in the midst of his church. Have you heard people teach that there are angels behind ministries? Most times they take this for me, that, you know, the angel of the church in Ephesus. No, that word is messenger. It's the Greek word angelos. What he was trying to say is write this letter to the leaders of the seven churches. There is no angel behind the church. It is Jesus that is in the midst of the lampstand. The lampstand speaks of the churches. The angel speaks of the leaders of the churches. I am the angel over this church. And the word angel is another word for what? Messenger. Praise God. Let me show you something. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, no, 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 no. I can't find it. Alright. Uh, I wanted to find where this revelation was given to John and he was bowing down to worship the person and the person said, no, stand up. I'm a messenger like you. Let's go on. Verse, 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 chapter 2, verse 1. Now it says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? So to the leader of the church in Ephesus. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. What is the right hand? The right hand is a place of authority and dominion. Okay? So when, when the Bible says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, don't have a picture in your mind, you know, we've got that picture, that, you know, there's a big throne. You know, that's why you shouldn't watch some films. Yeah, there's a big throne and God is sitting. Then Jesus is at the right hand. Then who is at the left? <laughs> Fill in the blank spaces. Who is at the left? Satan. Shall when you watch all those films? <laughs> right hand speaks of authority and power. Praise God. I know your deeds, your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles. 
and they are not. And you found them to be false. Look at what it says. It says, I know your deeds. I know your toil. Your perseverance. So, you can understand why this makes a lot of meaning now. Because of what they were going through. Because now this church was birthed in the heat of that revolution against them. Knowing that the source of trade for the whole of that region was being tampered. So, when you became a Christian in that era, they fought against you because... The, the, the fact that you became a Christian meant that you sold silver was no longer relevant. You sold the gods. You, you, didn't, you didn't. So it was big. It was big. So this was what actually... Uh, uh, and, and you know, these, these apostles had to communicate to them through letters. And so these letters will be read to the whole church. Okay? So it says, And you have persevered and endured for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary. You know, I tell you this. The church of today have no idea what believers went through. Ah, no idea. Saints, no idea. Imagine a whole city coming against you. Let's say, let's assume, now this is an example. We make a lot of our money from oil, right? Now imagine coming to preach that oil is... Uh, let's, let's say now that oil is not true. Like maybe, I don't know how to put it, but let's say oil is a false god. And when you became a Christian, you didn't have anything to do with oil anymore. You didn't buy fuel, you didn't buy anything. Now imagine the federal government coming against you for turning people from the use of oil. Just imagine that kind of persecution. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Just imagine that. That's how the church was birthed. So that's how God is saying, I know your words. I see your perseverance. I, I see what you're going through. He says, but I have this against you. That you have left your first love. I mean, in your mind, you just say that. That we are in love at all. We have tried. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. And repent. And do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. I'll talk to you about the Nicolaitans. He who has here, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. This... The tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Remember when Adam sinned, he was banned from the tree of life. Remember? When Adam sinned, he was banned from the tree of life with the two, with the two flaming swords. But Jesus says, if you overcome, I will grant you to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So what's that tree of life? Don't have in your mind that there's one particular tree. Where you get to heaven? That's the tree of life. You cannot go and pluck. <laughs> Jesus is the tree of life. He is the bread of life. Praise God. 
When you overcome, you partake of his flesh, partake of his body. You become one with him. And somebody said, okay, what, what's the paradise of God? On the cross, the thief looked at Jesus and says, please, I know you're a righteous man. Pleaded for the forgiveness of sin. And Jesus says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. We'll talk about that more when we get to that, to that place. Let's build on. Verse, chapter, seven, verse one, chapter 2, verse 7 says, He was here, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, this word, he was here, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. How many of you know Jesus said that a lot? Well, he didn't say to the churches. He just said, he was here, let him do what? Let him hear. He said it seven times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you go through it, you see that Jesus said that seven times. What is he trying to say? There is discernment beyond the letter you're reading. So you've got to pick that discernment. Let's look at some practical things. What are the key characteristics of the Ephesians church? Um, I know your industry and activities, laborious toil and trouble and your patient endurance and how you cannot tolerate wicked men and have tested, critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers of Christ and yet are not and have found them to be imposters and liars. I know you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake and you have not fainted, become exhausted or grown weary. You know, sometimes as Christians we can, we can grow weary with our Christian faith. Hmm? Can, we can get weary. Now, let me say this, because I, I just perceive a bit of stuff in, in some people's hearts. So, let me clear that up. The Bible is written primarily to show us Christ. So, in the Bible, once you see things like the tree of life, the bread of life, the book of life, you know who it's referring to. There are several images to typify the man Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, you must also understand something about when you actually understand what the Bible is and how the Bible is written, spiritual realities are more real to you than natural realities. You know, because what happens in your mind is once you read of the tree of life, the natural thing is that there's one big tree hmm? with the mango of life. Then once you read book of life, there's one big book. Hmm? You know, there are seven billion people in this world. So for us that our surname started with O, you know we'll get tired on the queue. Uh -huh. So then, once you read of the bread of life, if Jesus had not said, I am the bread of life, our mind would just be like, there's one big bread. They'll just be cutting. You see, because when man fell, his head actually hit the ground. And he began to lose sense. So, once we read anything, the first thing is tree of life, you know, book of life, bread of... These are images. So talk about the person... Of Jesus. <laughs> Are you following this? And movie people haven't helped us because sometimes, in an attempt to communicate truths, they act in a certain way. So we just carry that image, and then most people actually don't also dig deep into scriptures. So, like I said, if Jesus did not interpret and say, I'm the bread of life, I'm telling you, somebody could have just thought, when you go, they will give you bread. Praise God. 
You know in the book of Revelation, it says the rivers you saw, the oceans you saw, it says there are many nations and many people. Did you read that? So it tells us that when we read of sea, he's talking of people. If he had not told us that, we would think that the sea. Huh? And again, let me just pour something here. I'll stretch your brain a bit. When the Bible now says the sea gave up the dead, it means that from the masses of humanity, people found Christ. Because they have been dead in sin and trespasses. So the sea gave up the dead. It's not saying that people who have died in the water, their boom will begin. <laughs> you will run. Let's leave that. We'll get there. Don't allow, let the Bible interpret the Bible. Don't, don't try to put, it, 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 it seems, I don't know why it's difficult. Don't read your mind into the Bible. If you read something you don't understand in the Bible, keep reading. As you read other scriptures, it will interpret itself. Are you following? One? That's why, you see, we have to be patient. If we're studying something like this, we don't need to be in a hurry. And I must tell you this. What actually made us to stop studying Bible like this is the feeling that when we come to church all the time, we have to receive miracle. We have to, you know, I, you know I, was telling, I was telling my staff in the office this morning, I said, ah, I, well, if we have a first time out today, they will just wonder, that, do I really want to stay in this church? <laughs> do you understand? Because it looks a bit boring. You understand what I'm saying? It looks like, yeah. So, but that's how... That's how the truth of the word is known. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Because if we want to teach about increased prosperity, we can just take one, one, one scripture and read, but we will not understand. The Bible was not designed to be studied that way. It was designed to be, to, I mean, you see what Paul did when we read now? For two years, he was teaching every day. Let's say 362 days, right? Times two. Hmm? That's the man spent over 450 to 470 days teaching daily. You ask yourself, what is he teaching? But that, that's what it means. Because then they didn't even have the New Testament. So he had to use the Old Testament to prove the things he was teaching. He has to prove the Messiah from the Old Testament. He has to prove the things that God is saying from the Old Testament. Well, let's go ahead so we can finish. But are, are you getting something? One of my heart is this. I want you to have a desire to study the word of God for yourself more. To dig deep into scriptures. Okay. So, uh, he talked about their ability to go through trouble. Let's look at some of the things God commended them for. Ability to go through trouble. Go to Acts chapter 14 verse 22. Acts 14 22. Acts 14 22. Verse 21 says, After they had preached the gospel to that city... And they had made many disciples. Always observe the word that when they went to the cities, they focused on the disciples. Observe that word. What's the word disciple? Mathetis. Learned people who are open to learning. You see, Christianity has always been perpetuated by discipleship. Discipleship thrives on education, not entertainment. If you want to build disciples, they must be educated. You have got to spend time to teach them. Alright, so observe, when you read the whole book of Acts, they emphasize the disciples. They return to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to do what? 
Encouraging them to do what? Church, talk to me. Encouraging them to do what? Continue in the faith. Now, if I tell you continue in something, it means that there's a tendency to do what? There's a tendency to do what? To stop. If I tell you continue in the faith, it means that there's a tendency to do what? To stop. Saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So you see why they were telling them to continue? Because they were going to experience tribulations. Go to 2 Timothy 3, 3, 13, 3, 12. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Indeed, Uh, you, you remember we just read that they went to Lystra, Iconium, and all of those. Look at that. Verse, verse 10. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and perseverance. Persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. 12. Indeed, all. How many people? I didn't hear that. How many people? We're in 2 Timothy 3 now. You can write that in front of your... Where you have ability to go through trouble. You can write the scriptures in front of that. I'm giving you scriptures for that. Acts 14, 22, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. It says, Indeed, all who desire, right, to live godly in Christ Jesus will be what? Will be what? Persecuted. Did you see that? That if a man actually wants to live a godly life, Persecution is part of what you should expect. If you want to live godly. You know what? All you need to do is just to say in your office you're not taking bribes. Watch what will come against you. Even other believers will encourage you. Say it's not like that. Are you hear what I'm saying? All you need to do, be, be a young girl who is matured enough to have a boyfriend and don't have a boyfriend. It's other Christians that will now tell you that you don't have somebody. Say no, say no, no that's not how they do it too. Say it was before. No, they tell you, say that's not how they do it. Now, that it was before. They have to have one or two so that you will know when to choose from. You know, you feel very awkward. You feel very, very awkward if you stay in the midst of people and say you don't have a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They will not say, is everything okay? He said, they will not say, I have somebody. Because people have spare, 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 spare. <laughs> Spare girls and spare boys that they give out. So they tell you that they have somebody. That don't worry, you don't need to talk. I, I will talk to, to him for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. And we Christians must learn to persevere and continue that this is the right path. You see, the challenge now is that this persecution, we don't want to suffer it. That's something we have to, you know, our first love must also be the fact that we know that we have... You see, let's not try and throw some scriptures away. He say, all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. It, it's a statement of fact. Let's not try to change it. It's not sweatless triumph. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not easy passage. If you choose to do the right thing, you can be killed for it. You know, most times I've also thought that when you do the right thing, you would always prosper. Sometimes it's not that way. Sometimes when you do the right thing, they'll throw you in the lion's den. When you do the right thing, you will go to prison. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we live in an ungodly world. We must understand that. The world is ungodly. So what thrives in the world is darkness. And you are light. 
Look at this. It says, But evil men, remember, if you read, hold your place there, hold your passage there. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Let me show you something. Then we'll come back here. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Look at, um, look at verse 2. Revelation 2, 2. Hold your place in, in 2 Timothy. Revelation 2, 2. Are you there? I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate what? Evil men. You cannot tolerate what? Evil men. Now go back to 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Look at the next verse. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being what? Deceived. Now, if you read that passage about evil men, what will come to your mind in today's world? Occultic people, Abi? Let's be honest now. If you read in the Bible, say evil men. Eh? What will come to your mind? Wicked people, occultic people. But that's not the evil men he was talking about. So how do we know what evil men Revelation was talking about? We read the scripture to find the description of evil men. Not evil men according to African magic. Are you following this now? So how do we know who evil men are according to Bible, not your evil man? Because the evil man in African magic is not the evil man in UK. You understand what I'm saying? So the evil man has to be consistent because truth is consistent. So how do we know the evil man that um, Paul, John is referring to in Revelation chapter 2? We look for scriptures again that defines evil man. So that if I go to UK, evil man will be the same. If I go to Australia, evil man will do be. You know there are some gospels that only thrive in Africa here. But that's not the gospel. So, where, how do we find who evil men are? Paul tells us. Go back to Paul. And it, it, it tallies with the truth because it talks about the persecution of the Ephesians church and talks about evil men. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul talks about persecution, then he talks about evil men. He says, but 3, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse. That means these evil men will progress from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. So, the characteristics of the evil men is deception. So, if we talk about deception, it means we're talking about truth. So, if we talk about truth, it means we're talking about the gospel. So, evil men here is talking about those who deceive with the gospel. It's there now, the next line. It says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned. Why is he saying continue the things you have learned? Because these evil men will try to deceive you from the things you have not learned. So evil men in Revelation is just false preachers and false teachers who deceive people from the truth of God's word. Is there. Continue the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. Because what's going to happen right now People are going to come to try to deceive you from the things you have learned. Conviction is better by reputation of truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, you see, 
That's why even as believers, we need to go over this foundational truth again because the world is constantly deceiving us. It's, it's not surprising today to hear of a believer who wants to get married and say, I want to get to get pregnant first because uh, now you don't know who, you can't trust anybody. That's the child of God talking to. You cannot trust anybody. That's how one of my uncle got married. They have been there for 10 years now. There's no child. I don't want something to happen to me. You know, in this life, you learn from what happened to other people so you will not make the same mistake. He has thrown away the Holy Spirit. He has thrown away the written word. He has thrown away godly counsel. He's learning from other people. He impregnates three girls and then, yeah, no, not listening to God. That's why you have to be convinced that, listen, God says the marriage bed undefined. It's honorable. If I get married and something is wrong with that person, if God cannot sort it, it will be without a child. That is conviction. It's not that after one year, say, we have prayed, we have prayed, I've tried prayer. They say there's one woman. It's not that the woman, she's not a abali, so even when she's doing the thing, she pray. She, she say we should pray. That then you just shoot the leaf, then you just put it inside, uh, inside a gogoro. It's not much drink, oh, just one, one glass. You have, you, have, you have gone to meet Babalao. Say, says, I want to use the native part. He says, it's the native medicine. You, you, are, you, are, you are an idol worshiper. Hmm? Then, you now, a believer, somebody will now read, even in the book of Ezekiel, the Bible says, the leaves are for the healing of the nations. You know, I say, it's true. It's true. <laughs> You are a believer. Abalis is teaching you scripture. Say, I see it. I see it there. He said, Jesus gave us this leaf to cure us. Then why did he die on the cross? Why did he say, by my stri- stripes you are healed? Did he say, by my leaves? Hmm? Conviction. Convi- be convinced. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If God does not even do anything for you, be convinced that you are a child of God. And conti- you see, he said, he, he, he strengthened their faith. You know, when you say strengthening the faith of people, you'd have said, oh, it will soon be over. He said, no. He said, by strengthening of their faith, this was the title of the message, by most tribulations shall you enter. That's how he strengthened their faith. Be ready for what is to come. Some of this counseling and comfort we give people, it does not breed strong Christians. Look at what makes us run away from the faith. Little things. All you need to do is just check a believer's joy and emotions. Is up, down, up, down, up, down. No consistency. Once there's mon- money drops, their faith follows. Rain falls, their faith follows. Weather is cold, their faith follows. Sometimes it's tiring. It's tiring. Hmm? And we even receive this message in a comfortable atmosphere. These guys were persecuted. Imagine a whole city coming against you and saying, don't teach that. Let's even imagine as we are now. If the whole of Bonny Island comes against us, it will be tough. Not talk of a whole nation. Praise God. Okay. So we know what evil men are. Okay? So he says, And from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now understand this. The characteristics of evil men, I'm going to deal with it now. The characteristics of evil men is the fact that they will not allow your faith to be rested in God. In the scriptures, the faith that leads to salvation. How do we know that? How do we know that? Come with me. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Are you, are you learning something this morning? Alright. Don't worry, you're in Bible school. After that, I'll give you a certificate of graduation. 
So we're just chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. We're looking at, it says, You design those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. That means it is possible for someone to call himself an apostle, a prophet, and a teacher, but he's not sent by God. Now, how do we know them? Let me tell you. Let me tell you this. Number one, you cannot know a false apostle by sign wonders and miracles. No, sir. The Lord never tells us that whether they perform miracles or not, you know that. In fact, miracles can become the deceiving ground for who is false. And that is the number one problem today in our world. Once a man performs a miracle, don't touch him. And you know why? Because we have built a version of Christianity that depends on miracles, not on conviction. Did you see what Paul told Timothy? He said, the things you have learned of me, be convinced of them. See what Paul says. Second Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. And then we now go on to, to 13 and uh, 15. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband. Look at this. So that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. You know what he's saying? He says, I took you and betrothed you to Christ. Which is the role of every minister. Every minister ought to take the people God has given to him and give them to Christ and show them to Christ. We are not the mediators of the new covenant. Jesus is. Look at what it says. It says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve. Remember, when we talked about evil men in 2 Timothy. Did you see that word? About the, that they deceive and are what? Being deceived. So pay attention to that. That's, that's, that's how you pick evil men. Now, we are trying to understand what is that deception now. We can't, we can't define the deception in our own way. We have to now look at what the Bible calls deception. So that's what we're looking at now. Alright. The serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So, the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Now, what is that deception? How did that happen? Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So, we understand evil men are deceivers. Right? Are you here? Evil men are deceivers. Now, what is the deception? One line. The simplicity of the Christian faith and your devotion to Christ, you'll be led astray from it. Christianity will become complex. You're either buying water, buying handkerchief, carrying cane, carrying this one. You know, it's complex. Bringing prayer mantle from Jerusalem, buying mustard seed, custard seed, it's complex. The simplicity of your devotion to Christ, that purity of just serving the Lord from your heart, resting in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it will be works. For you to be healed, the seven day dry fasting is spiritual work. You have to sow seed. If you don't sow seed, God will not respond. It's your envelope that will determine the size of your miracle. It's your Isaac seed that will cause God to come down. That, that simplicity, that's the deception. And the scripture said, if you read in the book of Second Timothy, it says they will go from bad to worse. So, it started a little. Alright? And then it's growing worse. Because once people identify this trick, then it goes on. Look at this now. 
Look at verse 13. For such men, hmm? what, is, what is difficult here? Have faith in God. Read the word of God. Believe God. Serve God. No. You want drama. Hmm? You know what will be more interesting? You know this one we're doing now is, is, is it looks tasking on the brain, even though it's very simple. You know the one you like? Have I seen you before? Do you know me? Am I lying? We don't have that, we don't have that model in scriptures. Even Jesus Christ, who is our <laughs> you see, let me tell you this, right? Let me tell you this. Any time you're trying to validate anything on the earth by an earthly means, you need to watch it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's just like I come to the house and I'm there. I'm, I'm your husband. Am I not your husband? You know that any father that entered the house and keep announcing, I married you. Did I not marry? Did I not pay? You know there's trouble in that marriage. You know, right? Because if a marriage is going well, nobody needs announcements. So by the time you start going, do I know you before? Have I met you before? Do, do you know me? Have I seen you? Oh, God, now relax. 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 There's trouble somewhere. You don't need that. You don't need to validate that you are a prophet of God. You don't need to validate the call of God on your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't need it. <laughs> you don't need it. There are many things, but let's keep the simplicity. Pray in the name of Jesus. Not in the name of the God of... No. That's, you, are, you are making it complex again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are adding. I, I come to you in the name of the God of... No, 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 no. no. He used to be called God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was tired of being called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He sent his son Jesus and sent the spirit of the son to your heart so you will cry, Abba, Father. Leave the name of the God of. Just call him Father. That's what, God wants to have a relationship with you. Leave your pastor alone. He wants you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God wants your faith. He wants to hear your voice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are his child. You are not a bastard. You were not adopted. It was Jesus that died for you, not me. I will not. I like you, but I don't want to die. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Has God given us grace to be of help to you? Yes, but until you come to maturity. So the question is, when will you come to maturity? Did Adam have a pastor in the garden? How was he hearing the voice of God? How was Abraham hearing the voice of God? How did Joseph know not to sleep with a woman? How did he say, I fear God? Which cell unit was he? Was he a member of the media team? Now you are in cell. You are in media team. You have a uh, uh, podcast. Upload, download, everything. You don't fear God. Are you hear what I'm saying? And you know why? That simplicity of devotion to God. You heard the song that our worship team sang this morning. Because hmm? you gave your life for me. Nothing is a sacrifice. There is a simplicity of a man who is devoted to Christ. It's simple. That if God says this about me, that's who I am. It's simple. Let's not make it difficult for God's people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so 
um, um, John had to write to them again. Because persecution and affliction, tribulations can put, you know, sometimes we want to try to look for, ah, what else can I do? Because you know what? We've always taught people that when troubles come, something is wrong. Sometimes it's your righteousness stand that's bringing all those heats. Are you hear what I'm saying? It's not that you have sinned or something. Are you, are you hear what I'm There are persecutions that will come against you just because you refuse to do the, 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 the wrong thing. It doesn't matter. Do you think a godly word we want ungodly men to prosper? Or, sorry, an ungodly word we want a godly man to prosper? They will not. They'll punish you for it. That's the time you need to stay on your faith. Strengthen your faith. Praise God. Let's look at this quickly. It says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers. Did you see that word there again? Disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan, even Satan, even Satan, disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to what they are did. So, you need to, to walk in discernment. You need to walk in discernment. So God commended them for their activities. God commended them for their labor. God commended them for their patience through trouble. God commended them for not tolerating wicked men. Praise God. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 2, 17. It says, For we are not like many. For we are not like many. Peddling. The word of God, but as from sincerity. Did you see that again, that word sincerity? What he says, sincere devotion to Christ. But as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. What does it mean to peddle? To hawk the word of God. Say so we don't hawk God's word to the highest bidder. Hmm? We don't hawk the word. God has given me a special anointing in this service. If you have 100,000, come to my right. 100. God woke me up by 3 a.m. Said there are 100 angels positioned in 100 places in the air to give 100 parcels for the first 100 people to bring 100,000. And you know that's what you like. So you rush out. Now say, okay, 50. If you don't have 100, 50. If you go to any of those services, just stay a while. The price usually comes down. Just, just wait a while. Don't, don't, don't rush. Just stay. Once the time is going, the amount will come down. <laughs> eh? After a while, I say 25. 25. <laughs> just, just patient. If, if, you, if you are calm. If you are calm. You can actually go for free. Almost for free. Just, just hold on a while. Say, okay, okay, okay. I don't want you to miss out anything you have ahead. That's where you can ask. Because if I'm in those kind of services, well, I usually am not. But if I find myself in those kind of services, I'll wait for the anything time. Just wait a while. Just say, 30, 30. If you have 30 for 30 days. Say, but God is just speaking to me now. Not to let nobody miss this blessing. God would have told you that right from the beginning and save us all the time. So you say, anything you have. Anything you have. Say, give me more oil, extra oil. Say, touch me, touch me and go back. Touch me and go back. Touch me and go back. Pedo, that's to hawk. Hawk the word of God. 
You are not like those many who hawk it. Let me ask you one question. This issue about money, once we have it, so what else? Eh? Is it not car, house, clothes? What else? So what is it again? It's finished now. It's not, what else you want to be? You want to, what else? That, that we cannot teach God's people the truth of God's word. Simplicity. Simplicity. And you know he wasn't speaking to an individual. He was speaking to a church. The body of Christ must return to the simplicity of the devotion of Christ. You know, sometimes when you teach like this, it's a bit difficult because it looks like you're critical. But, you know, my dad will always say, I can't help myself from the, the things I see in the scripture. This is the pure truth of the scripture. It says, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that just as Satan beguiled Eve, that your mind is turned from the simplicity of the gospel. And you know how Satan beguiled Eve? He just altered what God said and changed the meaning. How are we deceived today? Meaning of scripture is changed. So when you see enemy, somebody says somebody is after you. You will not start fighting an imaginary enemy for the rest of your life. Hmm? You know there was a time when they said fair guests had mommy water spirit. You remember that season? Eh? Any fair girl, ah, mommy water, fair girl, mommy water, fair girl. People were no, people didn't want to bleach that time. Okay, until, until light came. Are you hear what I'm saying? How would they have mommy water spirit? People that were living in the mountains. Which water was the spirit living in? And how did we get there? My time is gone. How did we get there? Because we allowed people who say they died and they were number two in Satan's kingdom to stand on the pulpit to teach. There is nobody who was preaching in the Gospels that came from Mami Water Kingdom that he says you share his testimony. It's not testimony that you were number two before. You had children there. You had house there. If you had sense, you would stay there. <laughs> As I am now, I'm Mami Water. I'm number two. I have car. I have children. I have this. Why am I coming here to come and pay house rent? <laughs> eh? Then, you know, so... Then after that one left, now it's prayer by midnight. That one has gone. Now it's redemption of firstborn. They, they keep going from bad to worse. Why did Jesus come? Is the blood not powerful enough? Is God, let's ask ourselves, how can you still be under generational curses? Doesn't God deliver us completely? He says, he is that the Son of God sets free. is free indeed. What does it mean to be free indeed? Simplicity of the gospel. We take the word of God and we say, you know what? The word says I'm free indeed. Regardless of what I see, I'm free indeed. We superimpose that on our circumstance. And that's the simplicity we find in the scripture. Last scripture. Two more last scriptures. Acts 5.26. I know my time is up. But let's do this. Acts 5.26 so that we all be in the nice place. Acts 5.26 Thank you Lord Sorry 36 Acts 5.36 For some time ago Thaddeus rose up Claiming to be somebody And a group of about 400 men joined up with him But he was killed and all who followed him were dispersed And came to nothing 
Hmm? Followed Titus took people. Acts 20, 29. Acts 20. I put two scriptures there. Make sure you read them, okay? Jeremiah 5, 31 and Acts 17, 11. Read, read those two. But let's read this as our last scripture. Acts 20, 29. Have you learned something today? 29 to 30. Be on your guard. This was, the, this was the last word Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. This was when he was about to die. He, wrote, he said it in Ephesus. Be on your guard. 20, 28, Acts 20, 28. Praise God. And for yourself and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made the overseers to, be shepherd, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Hmm? They will spare the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after who? After them. But the disciples are supposed to be after who? After Christ. Therefore be on alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. I've coveted no one's silver, no one's gold, or no one's clothes. Let me tell you this. You cannot have covetousness in your heart as a minister and teach the truth of God's word. If you covet the gold that your people possess and the silver that your people possess, you will not be able to speak the truth of God's word. So this is how the background to, to the book of Revelation chapter 2 came. This was what Paul was talking about. This was how you know, the Lord began to speak to them about their first love. So, on Wednesday, we'll continue from here, look at a few things, and then we'll see how the Lord leads us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that you will establish these truths in our hearts, that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cause the word of God to go forth in power and in strength. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Alright, let's uh, do what we need to do quickly. This evening, we've got a singles meeting. I'm talking about managing your circle of influence. Now, let me tell you this. Even if you're married and you want to be part of the meeting tonight, you can come. It's 5 to 6, right? 5 to 6? 4 to... 4 to 6. Oh, sorry about that. 4 to 6. So, I'm t- t- talking about managing your circle of influence. If you want to come around, it's fine, but it's a singles meeting. I'm ready to... Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.